You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning, May the 9th, as we are recording and as you are listening, hopefully. And uh, pretty pretty bleak times for content creators in the college football landscape. Not a whole lot going on. The only really news is that there's a transfer portal offensive tackle visiting and it's noteworthy because he is gigantic and because we really need an offensive tackle but he's just visiting like there is no news right now going on in in the msu sphere yeah but it's an exciting time uh otherwise if you watch the kentucky derby you had Maybe the greatest comeback in horse history, as far as I'm concerned, in the probably dozen horse races I've watched in my life. It was probably the best one I've ever seen, for what that's worth. Um, Kevin, have you ever hit 80 to 1? No. I I think like the biggest that I remember is hitting Michigan State beating Michigan in 2020. It was like 11 to 1. I don't remember any, there were probably a couple like random future bets of like, um, you know, this team to win the division in football that, you know, were probably pretty close to like 10, 15 to one, but no, nowhere even close to that. That's I, the, my favorite part of that is imagining just the, the drunk dude with his buddies who just, he got way too loaded. And then he came, you know, he went up to the betting window comes back and is like dude i just bet 500 bucks on this horse to win and they're all like five what are you doing dude there's you just burned 500 dollars yeah yeah we'll see about that and then you know just imagining as it's playing out and all his buddies just like staring at him like holy shit (laughs) he did it (laughs) and he probably would have no idea he even won at that point he wakes up the next morning with a cool like 50 grand in his pocket like what where did i get this i uh i got to go to one of those big horse races once in my life like belmont preakness kentucky derby one of the big three i don't care but they all They're look pretty like close to uh preakness is in new york right i think one's in new york and the other one's in like delaware or something um so yeah i think there's a couple east coast options 
Um, but Preakness is in Baltimore. There we and go. I could hit that. Baltimore is a pretty cool town. There's some good seafood out there. I've never been there, but I've heard. I was things. there uh, once in high school. We had a lacrosse tournament on the East Coast. And for those who play or have played lacrosse, you know that the East Coast lacrosse and the Michigan lacrosse are two different <laughs> stories. So we played like this national tournament and just got blitzed by a couple of these random East Coast teams with all their private school money. And uh, yeah, that was pretty ugly, but. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, like I said, there's there's really no news. Uh, the only news podcast-wise is, Scott, we will actually be together physically for the first time in a long time. Knock on wood, that travel goes according to plan. But uh, I will be back in the mitten next week uh, for the next basically five weeks i'll be back home so unfortunately in the packing list my microphone is not making the cut uh so i'll be we'll we'll still have the episodes coming out uh hopefully in a timely manner um but i'll be rocking the airpods so hopefully the audio quality is is as good as we can get it but yeah we're coming back uh for the for the people who have been longtime listeners you know the doc tj who has been on the podcast before his wedding is coming up here in uh, about a week and almost two weeks. Uh, so that'll be an up North wedding that I'm very excited for. And then Scott, your wedding following that shortly following that. So busy times ahead for the, the podcast uh, and for the podcast members busier for you than me. That's for sure. I just have to attend the wedding. So you actually have to you know, be a part of them. You're you're the efficient of TJ's and a, a an active member of your own, right? So you got yes. a lot more going on than I do. Yeah, the officiating, really excited for that. A uh, little nervous, uh, but it should be fun. And yeah, I should be at my wedding. You know, still kind of waiting <laughs> to see. Play the weather, maybe. But uh, if if the cards are in in our favor, I'll be there. Yeah, as, as a groomsman in both weddings, I'm in the position that, like, you know, it's it's important for me to be there. But as far as responsibilities, that's that's kind of where it ends. Is just physically Good. showing up and wearing the right clothes, and <laughs> the rest will fall it. into place. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, very excited for that. Uh, so we'll be home the next yeah five weeks or so. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, Good times here. Hopefully, like I said, knock on wood again, that travel plans go according to plan. We really have one obstacle, which is the the COVID test 24 hours before yeah. uh, flying, which is just the last little leg of great, which it just I'm think it's in the back of my head every day now. And I'm just every little cough that I have, even though I have seasonal allergies for my entire life. And this is nothing new. Every sniffle and cough, I'm like, oh, shoot. This is it. This is going to ruin everything. (laughs) So if you're listening, thoughts and prayers for my uh, negative results and and my girlfriend's negative results on that. So that will be, uh, no, exciting times coming up here. So like I said, we have have some stuff going on here on the podcast. uh, But before we get to it, we have NBA action heating up second round. Uh, some really good series playing out. I was watching a little bit over the weekend here. And DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game car parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like total three-pointers, total rebounds, points, who will win, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Little insurance there. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So, again, not a whole lot going on in the news section of the you know, Michigan state newspaper, if you will. But, uh, you know, something interesting that we did something last year. If you remember, we did a draft of future NFL draft prospects. And we just took the whole roster and said, all right, whether they're freshmen or seniors, who are the guys you would be most confident in staking your claim on them being drafted one day. And I haven't gone back and listened to it. I meant to, but um, I do remember some top picks, like first, second picks off the board were uh, the likes of Jalen Hunt, the likes of Angelo Gross, I remember taking really high. Like there were a couple swings and potentially misses. There still some time to play out in their careers. But uh, the reason we wanted to talk about this today is Stephen Brooks uh, of 24-7 Sports. He put up an article on the Spartan Tailgate and it was an early look at Michigan State's 2023 NFL draft prospects. So with the draft in the rear view, uh, we were kind of looking ahead here for next year and starting to think about like who are those guys, whether they are upperclassmen who, you know, a guy like Jaden Reed, he doesn't have any eligibility left, right? Like Xavier Henderson doesn't have any, like they have to go and, and we'll see if they are uh, drafted or not. And you you look at a few of these guys who are underclassmen as well that we will talk about later on in the episode of guys who are freshmen or sophomores and and who could make a play in the future. So just to read off really quickly, um, I thought Stephen Brooks did a really good job of putting these in a couple different buckets. So he has sure things. So guys are really confident. He had Jaden Reed, and that's it. Uh, the work to do slash on the radar. He had Xavier Henderson. Amir Speed, Ronald Williams, Jacob Slade, Jarrett Horst, J.D. Duplain, Daniel Barker, Jacoby Winman, Aaron Brule. Pretty long list there of guys. And then you had the wild cards, which were Malik Carr. You had Bryce Berenger on there after a record, I think four punters were drafted last year. So you could put Bryce Berenger into that bucket as well. And then the running backs he grouped together, Jarek Broussard and Jalen Berger. So, Scott, just first of all, we'll get to kind of our own rankings and projections and buckets or whatever. But just from Stephen Brooks's list, were there any that were, you know, egregious disagreements uh, from your perspective? Not necessarily egregious. Um I think the most fascinating part here is trying to evaluate a lot of these transfers and where they fit. 
uh, specifically kind of going near the top of his list, like a guy like Amir Speed. Um, we've heard a lot of hype, a lot of hyperbole, a lot of other things around a lot of these transfers, Speed being one of them coming from the best defense in the country last year, a historically good defense last year, actually, in Georgia, started three games there, um, but lost his spot, but seems to have the physical you know, measurables for the NFL. So I'm sure he's a guy with NFL aspirations. He's got one year to prove it this year. Um, and yeah, I'm just fascinated to see how kind of the narrative around the NFL starts to grow around guys like that. Daniel Barker, the same, a guy who people have said kind of, you know, future NFL guy. Um, but what does he have left to prove? Jacoby Winman, Aaron Brule. Uh, a lot of these different guys. So how will the transfers translate, I guess, and will their NFL projections translate the same or will they end up higher or lower than, than maybe we were expecting when they initially transferred? Yeah. And, and the interesting thing to throw in with that is most of these transfers you're talking about are in their last year of eligibility, like Aaron Brule, Ronald Williams. Um, these guys have one year, Chris Bogle, he's a senior. Uh, I think he he wasn't redshirted, so I think he is another year if he really wants it. But, I mean, there's a couple of guys up there who this is your last shot. If, if you really want to make a claim for being a dr- higher-drafted player, like, you know, Amir Speed wasn't really getting those opportunities at Georgia to, to play a whole lot as he would have liked, or Aaron Brule just wanted to, you know, find a defense that fit his skill set better, or whatever it is, like, you got one year to prove it, and and that part is really fascinating. And Daniel Barker, I remember talking with um, with uh, Big Kurt uh, of the Eyes on Big podcast. He's an Illinois guy, and I, I messaged him about Barker when the transfer was announced a couple months ago now. I was like, hey, so what's the word on this guy? And the first thing he said is he's an NFL dude. Like he was, They were really upset at Illinois to lose him uh, to another school. They said, you know, he basically told me we if he would have went to the draft like that's that's one thing because then you know hey the guy's leaving that sucks but like that's our guy you know Illinois can forever claim whatever he does in the NFL you can claim him right but when he transfers to another school there's always that shot that the legacy kind of flips and then suddenly this guy maybe he's like a really good player in the NFL and then Illinois doesn't get any credit for him it's like oh yeah that that year at Michigan State and so I could see how that would be really frustrating. But um, last this this past draft, there were there were a lot of tight ends, like close to twenty tight ends taken. So you know you're looking at being in that group of draft eligible guys. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now like eighteen guys were taken from the tight end position, and that's not even including Connor Hayward, who is basically a tight end. So you're you're looking at nineteen drafted tight ends. So you know, we're not necessarily just talking about first round picks here, right? We're talking fifth, sixth, seventh round picks are are also being counted in this draftable bucket. So I, I would be pretty surprised if he wasn't drafted at all uh, with that context included. Um, you know, I, I think the most, like if I had to pick one player who is the most interesting to me, I, I look at Xavier Henderson and I just, I don't know what to think about him because if you asked me after his 
even true freshman year back in 2018, he played every game. He was kind of a third down nickel sub package specialist. And he played a lot of snaps. And I just kept watching him be like, this guy is the real deal. I remember he was a four-star recruit. And then his true sophomore year, he starts every game. He plays really well back in 2019. And you're thinking, man, arrows pointing. This guy might leave early for the draft. And then he just kind of kept playing, kept playing well. And and his play hasn't gone down. Like he he has, I think he has gotten better every single year. It's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where the longer you stay in school, the more you wonder why he's staying in school. And, you know, like the the NFL notoriously doesn't draft, especially skill players, especially wide receivers. Like they don't really like to draft guys who were in school for four or five years. They want to draft a guy who came out early because, number one, they're just just younger so they'll have a longer NFL career in theory but number two there's something to the idea of when you are dominating a sport when you're 19 years old and your body isn't even fully developed yet like the NFL scouts can look at that and be like look at what he did when he wasn't even the biggest guy out there or he wasn't even really this the football IQ spent four years in the film room with this coordinator whatever so I like there's something to that with Xavier Henderson where it's I feel like the longer he stays, it's almost worse for his draft prospects, even though that sounds kind of counterintuitive. But he's a really good player. I at the end of the day, I would be surprised if he wasn't drafted at all. But you know, you compare him to like Kari Willis. Like, is he any better or worse than Kari Willis, who was a high fourth round pick and has been starting really consistently for the Colts and playing pretty well. So I, that's a guy, I just don't even know what to think. Yeah. I, I agree with the sentiment. It's a guy like, kind of like LJ Scott, who was here for four years as a freshman came out, I think put up almost a thousand yards this freshman year uh, in a committee, no less. And then just kind of stayed there for four years. Um, I think Henderson has progressed more in his career at Michigan state than, than a guy like LJ Scott hard to compare at different positions. But uh, yeah, it's, do you think he's better than Kari Willis was at this point when Kari Willis was around the end of his MSU career? I, I don't know, man. Like I really, I, I think they're basically, they're almost the same player, like in the way that they play the leadership that they bring, like there are so many parallels between those two. I think, yeah, earlier in his career, it felt like Henderson had more of a knack for the bigger play, although he did have that one-handed interception early in the season last season. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, this year is kind of uh, put up or shut up, right? So this will be the last tape on his NFL uh, mixtape, and he's going to have to put it up this year. This will be the one they're looking at the most. Um and it'll be really interesting with this defense and where they've lined Henderson up in the past. Uh, I think he'll be mostly that box safety, but um, yeah. So let's get another name. Henderson's going to leave his career with like 5,000 snaps or something like (laughs) the poor scout that has to go through all of his tape. (laughs) There's, There's just a ton of it out there, man. Jacob Slade. Uh, yeah, I think, what do you make of Jacob Slade and the NFL? 
I well, so first of all, so what is he's a he's a redshirt senior this year, this coming year. Um, if he puts up another year like he did last year, he'll get drafted. NFL teams now they love that penetrating defensive tackle who you know can can get behind the line of scrimmage and make plays in both the pass rushing and in the run game and the nice thing with Jacob Slade too is typically when you're looking at that mold of a player it's a guy who's a little undersized but he's really quick and can get in the backfield but then you worry about him in the run game Slade's listed 64315 and I think at at 64 he's even got a little bit more room if they want to put him up to 325 330 and you know bulk him up I think you would you would be losing the explosiveness that that really makes him special but yeah if if he puts up another year like he did last year I think I could easily see him going in that early day 3 you know kind of early fourth round cuz I I don't think he's going to wow anybody at the uh, at the combine I do think he'll surprise some folks I think he's more athletic than you would give him credit for but I Whenever the the only thing that, is, does he lose? Does he lose out on snaps because it's just such a deep defensive tackle room, and he kind of gets that Naquan Jones, where it was like he's a really good player, he just didn't have a ton of snaps, and um, and Naquan Jones is playing really well for the Titans now after not getting drafted at all. That, I guess that would be the worry, but I think he'll start, and I think he'll have another year like he did last year, so. I think because he's should be on the top line of the depth chart, he's going to get plenty of snaps and he's going to be well rested throughout the game, which I think lends itself maybe not to just volume tackles, but to explosive plays, you know, keeping those legs all the way, all four quarters um, and, and making plays at winning time. So yeah, he is fascinating. Technically, he's a redshirt senior, but he is not a sixth year, and he does get that extra. He redshirted in 18. He's played three years, but one of those three was the uh, the COVID year. So I guess he would have two years if he wanted them. Um, I think his tape is good enough from last year that if he comes out this year and plays any better, uh, I think his eyes will certainly be on the draft. So... How about this one for you? I AJR Curie snuck into the end of the seventh round, was drafted to our surprise. We did have an offensive lineman picked on the Stephen Brooks list. He lift, listed two guys as having work to do, but on the radar of the NFL. That was JD Duplain, who is going into his senior season, and Jarrett Horst, who is in his fifth year of eligibility obviously jared horse coming in uh from arkansas state last year um if you want to throw i don't know nick samak in there if you want to throw um i don't know spencer brown in there like you know be my guest but who is the offensive lineman that you think is most likely to be drafted in the 2023 draft or or in a future draft if you think there's a young guy who isn't going to come out or who isn't eligible. Mm. <laughs> and you can't forget about Brian Green coming right, over from, from Washington, Washington State, State, who I think just has one year of eligibility, if I remember correctly. Uh, I have to check because he's not listed on the spring roster, so you have to do some uh, 
some deep dive in here. All right, Brian Green, Washington. I'll look this up while you talk. Yeah, so the offensive line, I mean, the easy answers are obviously the two that, that Stephen Brooks listed, um, being Duplain and Horst. Um, Green will be his last year of eligibility. He's a fifth year. So there you go. I don't think Spencer Brown's going to be in a position to get drafted this season. Uh, I'd be elated if he was by the end of the year, because that would mean he took an enormous step forward. But uh, I mean, the guy has started, I think one game, right? The peach bowl. So yeah, I'll keep him out of this conversation. Um, I think Jarrett Horst with the caveat that he, you know, he stays on the field all season. He puts together a full season of tape because last year he looked pretty good and then right when it really seemed like he was getting his feet under him in the system and everything he he i think got physically hurt he was out with some mental health stuff as well regardless of why it felt like he was really getting his his feet under him and then the second half of the season he just obviously wasn't on the field so if he can come out start the season the same or better than last year and then really grow on that and show that he can be a week to week guy in both phases of the game i think he could if ajr curry can get drafted i think Jarrett horst was every bit the tackle our curry was for the first half of the year um i just think he needs more power five tape um to to really bolster that resume yeah and he's six six he's got that frame that that you like to see so i i i would think he's kind of a weird one because a lot of times the nfl they take these former tackles and they say, well, you don't have the long arms or you don't have this. So we're going to move you inside and, and you can play guard. And I think he's got the mentality to play guard and he's a good run blocker, but he's almost like too tall. Like, yeah, I feel like a guard, you have to be kind of six, three and under so you can get that leverage in the run game. Um, so he is kind of a weird one because I, you know, he doesn't kind of, stand out as that prototype pass blocking left tackle. Um, I, I don't know. He's, he's an interesting case. He feels to me in the NFL more like a right tackle, just based purely yeah. on vibes than nothing yeah. else. He doesn't really seem like that, like alpha left tackle who you can just put him out on an Island and he's got so much confidence in his game that you just can kind of forget about him out there. He feels more like a guy who plays with the rest of the line plays inside the scheme and, uh, still enough nastiness to, uh, you know, get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it, it, it will take a really good season from him. I I'll start with that caveat, but when we look at the NFL valuing versatility in an offensive lineman, if Nick Samek comes out and has a really strong year this year, he's, he's a senior, um, you know, he's played guard, he's played center. Uh, teams like having that it, it, it backup offensive lineman. You kind of value a guy who can, if your center goes down, he's played center, he can step in for you. If a guard goes down, he's played guard, he can step in for you. Um, maybe that's a, a name to bring up again. Would I be surprised? Yes. But would I have been surprised to say AJR Curry got drafted? Yeah. So, you know, you can't totally count these guys out. What about some younger players? Is, is there, you know, so first, I guess, first of all, before we get to that, the one name that was omitted from the list that on first glance, I was really surprised. And then, 
given the context of we're just talking about the 2023 draft makes more sense. But Peyton Thorne was left out. He would be eligible for the draft next season as a, you know, he's a redshirt junior. So I guess technically he would have been eligible this, this last draft, but um, I don't know. It just depends. Like, do we think he is going to be capable of coming out early Technically, uh, he still has two years, uh, even without like the the COVID waiver or whatever. But is he a guy that that you would think by whenever that that may be, whether it's next off season, the off season following? Do you think Peyton Thorne is an NFL draft selection? If he has another season like he did last year, I would say he would be maybe a day three guy um if he has a season that is distinctly better than last year i think you would really have a conversation for the nfl that said i think i don't know if anybody's really talking about peyton thorne yet as an nfl prospect but to get the ball rolling here, I can hear the narratives around arm strength and like he, Oh, he has, you know, maybe he has the leadership and the legs and he hasn't really shown the legs. They'll say that even though he shows flashes, I'd love to see more. He kind of runs like Brian Lewerke, you know, he picks his spots, he rips yeah. off chunks, but it's not really like an every down kind of part of his game. Um, but he's not the arm talent guy and the NFL just adores arm talent right now. Um, and he's not enough of a duel to really like try to fill the mold of the Lamar Jackson, right? The, the Malik Willis, like, um, <laughs> he doesn't fit. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at that, like graphic, you know, the Peyton Thorne, the next Malik Willis question mark. <laughs> that seems like something PFF would put out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he's he's he he can work himself into the conversation. I think it's going to take a lot for him to get into the you know the top five kind of quarterbacks of the draft conversation, especially this season. A lot can happen, and I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He could get a lot better this season, but um, that's just given the I think what the NFL will see has the downsides to his game. I think they're going to hold him back. Um, more than a guy that has all the arm talent in the world, but maybe makes bad decisions at the college level. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you make of him? The, it's weird, right? The, the, I was looking at the last couple draft classes and all three of the last three drafts, there've been somewhere between 10 to 13 quarterbacks taken. It's a pretty big group, right? When you're talking just draft eligible players, you got to be in the top, 10 ish and that's again not in the top 10 quarterbacks in all of college football but the top 10 of your draft class and when you start getting because quarterback is funny because both from a fan and media standpoint and from an nfl standpoint it has kind of become well you're either a potential franchise quarterback first round pick type of guy or we don't even care because what's the point? You know what I mean? Like Jalen Naylor can get, you know, some buzz as a sixth round pick who like, Hey, you know, he's not a first round guy, but he can come in and, and make an impact as a sixth round player, play special teams, things like that. 
you only have one quarterback who plays, right? So you're either the guy or you're not the guy. And some teams look at like drafting a backup, but it's kind of viewed through that lens now. And, um, and so that narrative will be interesting for Thorne because, you know, you compare him to the, the first round pick type dudes the last few years, this last, this last draft class was pretty bad. Um, where Kenny, Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback taken. But again, look at Kenny Pickett's stats last year. Like as, as good as Peyton Thorne was, Kenny Pickett threw for like 5,000 yards and 40 some touchdowns, right? In the past few years, you're looking at like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and like guys who have that special physical ability on top of the production. And it's just, I, I don't think he's going to be in that class, but can he do enough where a team's willing to take a shot on him as a developmental guy or even just as like a, hey, this is a guy we really would love as a backup and he can be our number two. And uh, and and if something happens where he surprises us, then great. If not, we like, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like you said, he's got that mobility that can at least bring something to the table and uh, and he makes good decisions. So, you know, we we'll see. I th- that's a, a kind of a wild card right now that I think we'll be better able to answer after next season. But I'm throw a name in the uh, yeah, yeah. in the mix here. So Cal Halliday is going into his third year, technically, if we're talking NFL eligibility. But last year was considered a freshman, freshman All-American. Do you think there's a reality where he, after this season, is considering it? No. 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 Maybe after two years, but I don't think so. I do think he's more athletic than people would give him credit for. Right, like because he doesn't wear gloves and the whole thing, he he has that you know thumper, yeah, yeah, kind of look to him. But you watch him play for more than five snaps, and you know that he is much more athletic than that. He can get out and cover, like he he is kind of that NFL mold. But I I would be shocked if he came out after next season. But um, yeah, in two years. I think that's a guy who could absolutely be talked about as even like potentially day two, like really good player. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, he had a phenomenal, obviously phenomenal season last season. Um, played 12 or 13 games through injuries sometimes as well. 96 tackles, which was 11th in the big 10 last season. Um, it's going to be, I don't know how much more you could expect him to do statistically this year. He had two touchdowns. Um, I guess he could play a little bit more in the pass rush, but I don't think we're going to be asking him to do that a whole lot, given the strengths of the other linebackers. I think if you're sending one linebacker more times than not, it's not going to be Cal Halliday. Um, And I think when you look at NFL readiness for linebackers, the coverage aspect holds more guys back than anything. Cause you get a lot of big guys who can plug holes um, who play on the interior, but playing coverage these days as a corner or a safety is hard enough in the NFL uh, covering 
NFL athletes as a linebacker, it's it's hard to find guys who can do that. And I think Halliday, I don't think you could put him on an NFL field right now and watch him cover those guys, but give him a year or two, like you said, uh, to really hone his game. And I think that is going to be a huge aspect of his NFL readiness when, when teams start to evaluate him. And if he can pair that with a surprise amount of athleticism at the combine, I think he's going to gain a lot of attention. So, um, yeah, and that same bucket, I, I can put Darius Snow there too. Going yeah. into his junior year, I would I be shocked if he came out early next year? Not really. Like again, he's he is exactly what the prototype of the NFL is looking for. Six one two twenty. There's you know steam that he's going to be playing a lot of linebacker this year, so he brings that safety linebacker versatility can get out and cover people, but also can play in the box. Um, I think he's definitely an NFL guy. Now it's just a matter of which draft we're talking about. Is it 2023? Is it 2024? But yeah, he's definitely in there in that mix as well. And then you have, I'll kind of group together a couple guys just browsing through the roster of, you know, hasn't, hasn't shown a whole package, but, has that raw potential or has the game that you could see doing it. I'll throw a couple names out there and just tell me which one you, you think is the most interesting or a couple, maybe Simeon Barrow defensive tackle. He is a redshirt sophomore this year. You have um, tank Brown who we haven't seen really yet because of injury, but we, we talked about, he's got the frame. He's got the athleticism. He's a redshirt sophomore. Marky Lowry at cornerback, redshirt sophomore. You have Charles Brantley, true sophomore at corner. Keon Coleman, true sophomore at wide receiver. Um, other than that, you're looking at basically true freshmen, and, and we're definitely not ready to go there because we literally haven't seen any of them. Um, anyone in that group that you think is is the most likely or least likely or wherever you want to take that? Yeah, it's, it's tough because... Um... I think football, probably any sport, but we're talking about football, so I'm biased. Um, There's a lot of guys who have had one great season, and if it wasn't the season they were going into the draft, then you don't see it again, and their name kind of falls off. And a lot of the guys you mentioned are either, like you said, we've seen zero or one year, like Tank Brown. Yeah, he's got the body, he's got the athleticism, but he's also making a position change. Um and has never played this position. So it's really hard to know how his skill set will, will project uh, or will translate, I should say onto the field. Uh, Marky Lowry. I, there's a glint in his eye when you watch his game, you know, there's just, there's flashes that surprise you. Um, but he, it's gotta be more consistent. I mean, he came on the field and he made some plays. He also got burned sometimes last year and he wasn't the top of the depth chart. So, uh, I don't think, who knows, but I don't think he'll be a featured top of the depth chart guy this year. I think he'll be on that second line. And if he's not getting a full workload of snaps, um, I don't know. I think he'll be in a similar position this year, but as he was at the end of last season where he was that third or fourth corner, if a guy was uh, injured, he was starting. Um yeah, I mean, wide receivers, Keon Coleman, Jeremy Bernard, like guys that I could definitely see 
having that career, but not yet. I feel like I feel like we'll be like canceled from MSU Twitter if we don't say that Keon Coleman is a future first round draft pick or something. <laughs> People love that guy, man. He is he has found but, himself like we talk about, you know, NIL changing the sport of college football or something. Like if Keon Coleman really pursues it, he's gonna make a lot of money in East Lansing. Yeah. Well, he was he has the distinct pleasure of I think being Mel Tucker's first four star uh high school recruit who committed. Yeah. Um which at the time, if you remember, you know, we get Mel Tucker in and it was I think he's a COVID recruit, right? Yeah. So we get yeah. Mel Tucker in and we are like excited, but everything is shut down and everyone's talking about Mel Tucker and his recruiting, but we're like, how is he going to possibly do this? And then he lands a guy like Coleman and just validates all that talk. And it, it really blew the roof off. Right. Of, uh, and then, and then Coleman joins the basketball team yeah. and scores uh, against Michigan. Like the, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the legend of Keon Coleman. Like it's again, I, if he keeps now he has to play more and play, but like, as much as I know he's a true freshman and you're not expecting it, but like he's played probably a combined what like less than a hundred snaps of football and 12 minutes of basketball season. Like he has made a lot of noise for a guy with that little actual on field play. But again, like he, he just has that. I don't know. He's got that smile. He's got that, personality he's got the two sport thing going for him he can make some dough before uh before his time is up and and maybe after his time is up as well in the nfl draft uh, a lot of a lot to be determined on on that young man's career um i think that's a good place to end it i i think you know there we'll see how this all plays out like i said last year when we were talking about future draft picks a couple of the first guys off the board uh, their career has taken uh, a different path. Uh, the arrows are pointing up and down and left and right for all these guys. And it all changes week to week, right? So we'll see where we're at with this, um, you know, by the time the season comes around. But it's never too early to be talking about the NFL draft, as the media reminds us basically every week. So uh, like I said, next week uh, for the next few episodes, we will do our best to make sure we're still getting them out on time and everything. But uh, if there are some issues, we will ask for your forgiveness in advance as uh, it's a very busy time for us. And uh, we'll do our best we, we to make this uh, as much of a priority as we can. But, you know, things happen around this time of the year for us. So. Hopefully everybody stays with us through the whole off season. We will have content rolling and rolling and rolling on hopefully Michigan state and the recruiting or the transfer portal or something gives us something to talk about in terms of actual news. Uh, but that's been a little slow lately. That's how may is. So until next week, hopefully everybody has a great week. Hopefully the next time you hear me, uh, my voice will be from my parents' home in Metro Detroit. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.